0: Christchurch, New Malden, 13th of June, 2021. Tim Davis speaking on the reward, that we may have life and have it to the full. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. In a room full of, I guess, mostly adults. Um, I wonder how those words kind of make you feel, how you identify with them or not. As a child, you know we, we look to grown-ups to make us feel safe in the world. And yet we're told, as grown-ups, that we're children of God. Does that feel odd, you know, being told that you are still a child? I don't really have a specific kind of theological thought in it myself, and that's maybe a topic for another day. Um, but maybe by the end of this talk, we might feel a bit more assured about being called children of God. But those words kind of prompted me, um, as I was thinking about this talk several weeks ago, maybe think back to a time when it definitely did feel correct to call myself a child of God, because I was still a child myself, I guess. Um, It's back when I was this fresh-faced teenager with my floppy fringe and leather jacket. Uh, No matter what the temperature was, always leather jacket, black jeans, black t-shirt. That was me. I think those of you um, who knew me as a teenager here at church will testify to, yeah, didn't matter what weather, I'd turn up in church looking like that. Uh, now, the spark was scowl on my face. I, I think I was actually quite happy at the time. I was in a Christian summer camp at Ellesmere in Shropshire, having a great time. And, uh, you know, really growing in my faith and strengthening my relationship with God. Uh, and as you can possibly tell from that picture, and I say in those who knew me some 30-odd years ago, um, I was quite a heavy metal music fan. Uh, and around that time, there was this large world tour of some of the big thrash metal music bands. Thrash metal being the type of music that was a bit more hard and fast and loud. And, um, yeah, it was called the Clash of the Titans tour. And three of the main bands who were on that tour were Megadeth, Testament, and Slayer. Good, solid thrash metal band names. Um, There are their band logos. Now, I loved to wear... T-shirts on my favourite bands when I was young. The problem was, when you're a fan of heavy metal bands, a lot of the T-shirts would typically have kind of blood and death and violence and angry scenes on them. And it's the sort of stuff that didn't really get appreciated too much in church when right? I'd sort of wear those T-shirts. Um, so I was really hoping when I was younger to be able to wear something that would stand me out as both a heavy metal music fan and a Christian. Fortunately my prayers were about to be answered. Because some clever Christian marketing people in the US came up with a parody t-shirt of this Clash of the Titans bands. And it was this one. Mega life through prayer to a holy and righteous God. Brilliant. How I loved wearing that t-shirt. Even when I'd get kind of made fun of at school for wearing something like that. Uh, You know, on Mufti day or something. I still loved to show that I was both a Christian and a meddler. But there was, I say, one thing which didn't feel quite right about this t-shirt, and it was that first word, mega life. Because what on earth is mega life? It just sounded like some cheesy, made-up American sort of Christian term, um, shoehorning in this kind of popular band reference. Um, and I was thinking, you know, can Christians really have mega life? I don't remember sort of Jesus using the word mega life in any of his sort of sermons to uh, his disciples or people, and so I started to feel a bit more self-conscious. It was like this like ridiculous terminology. And After about a year of wearing that T-shirt, uh, it probably got put away, only to come out again at Christian summer camps during summers. Why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about mega life? Well, the final talk in this series, Walking in the Footsteps of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple, is focusing on the reward to be a, of being a disciple of Jesus. That we may have life and have it to the full. Life to the full. Is, is that really our reward as disciples of Jesus? Well, if it is, I'd say that's pretty exciting. Maybe we do all get to have mega life after all. And it makes me wish I still had that T-shirt. But being a disciple of Jesus, it's pretty much a full-time job. It was then, it is now. We're called to follow Jesus in every aspect of our lives. The 12 disciples literally gave up everything to follow Jesus. And that was no easy thing to do. But, you know, fair play to them. They stuck with it. Jesus became their teacher, their rabbi. And after following him around for a couple of years, Jesus started to drop in more and more hints and indications that he was soon going to be leaving the disciples. And not only that, that something really quite significant and unpleasant was about to unfold. And we see at the start of that passage from John chapter 14 that we had read to us, that Jesus starts to be aware, I think, that the disciples are growing more and more anxious about this. You know, they might be thinking what's the point of following Jesus if it's all going to be for nothing why would he just leave us after everything we've gone through is this all there is surely there must be some reward at the end of all this do not let your hearts be troubled their teacher says let me tell you what this is all about I am going to my father's kingdom but I'm not leaving you in fact i'm giving you an invitation to join us so when it's time come take your place specially reserved for you that's what this is all about and then comes one of the most well-known passages in the bible now i love thomas the disciple he's he's such a pragmatist i really do kind of identify with him he he wants to believe desperately what he's told But he needs to see evidence that something is true. If you told Thomas that like, Thomas, 50 plus 51 equals 101, uh, he'd be there with his counting units laid out on the floor just making sure he can go, yeah, you're right, 50 plus 51 equals 101. He's a disciple that when he heard from the other disciples that they'd seen Jesus, he said, look guys, I'm sure you believe you've seen Jesus who we saw nailed to a cross, killed, and then buried in a tomb. I'm sure you believe he's alive. But unless I can see him for myself and touch his wounds to know it's really him and hear him talking to me and feel his breath on my face so I know he's really alive, then I just can't believe what seems impossible. And here he is again earlier on, in the Bible, in perfect pragmatist mode. Okay, Jesus, you say you're preparing the way for us to go to a place that we all know where to go, but actually we don't know where we're going to go because we've never physically been to this place. So if we don't know where you're going, how do we know how to get there? I can see sort of Thomas tying himself up in knots going, I'm not wrong, am I? I've got this right, he's telling us to go somewhere, we don't know where to go. A lot of the time in life, we might feel lost a bit like that. Sometimes, literally, you know, you could be out for a walk in some woods and before you know it, you've walked down paths that are unfamiliar to you and you go, how do I get back to the car? This is going to be embarrassing. Or you might suddenly have jumped on the wrong train or bus and realised, I thought I was going that way. Why am I in this completely different direction? How do I get back to where I'm going? But a lot of the time, when we say, I'm feeling lost, We mean it a bit more figuratively. We feel directionless. No idea of what's around the corner in our lives and how we even get there. We can be unsure of what to do with our lives after we've graduated. We might feel like we're stuck in what we perceive to be a dead-end job in our 30s. Maybe we were separated from a partner or spouse in our 40s and wondering, well, what was the last 10, 15, 20 years all about then? Maybe we get to a point in our life when we feel we've missed out on all the things we hope to do. Or perhaps there's just too much to focus on. Too many options, too many details everywhere. And it feels like it's just all too much. If only we knew what the right way to choose was. Jesus says the big picture is all about God, the Father. It's all about the reward he offers us. Forgiveness of sins, eternity in his kingdom. And the way to gain this reward, the way to the Father, is through Jesus. I am the only way, he says, in answer to Thomas. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Anyone who claims to know God but rejects Jesus does not know God. Because Christianity is not merely one viable religion, one way to God among several others. It's the only way. And that's what being a disciple is about. It's about the ultimate reward. To follow Jesus and to walk in his footsteps is to know the Father and to receive that reward. Philip and Judas's words to Jesus, and Jesus' response, um, which comes immediately next in chapter 14, I feel they're often overlooked because of what Jesus says to Thomas. The I am the way, the truth and life verse is so famous that we often forget that there are some equally amazing things that Jesus says. And it's this further response which is so important. Because for me, it ties everything together that we've been thinking about in this sermon series. Firstly, Jesus tells Philip that he doesn't need to be shown the Father to know him because the Father is in Jesus and Jesus in him. Jesus says that to know Jesus is to already know God. And if you believe in Jesus, if you're a true disciple, then you will do the same works that Jesus did In fact, even greater because you get to tell people about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, about forgiveness of sins, about eternity with God. And finally, if you really do love Jesus, if you are willing to walk in his footsteps, then you remember his commands and obey his teaching. This doesn't mean just mentally remembering what Jesus said. It means putting his words into practice in our daily lives. And Jesus then brings this moment to a close by promising the Holy Spirit. The last two verses, uh, which we didn't get, um, say, He will give them the Holy Spirit, who will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And then once again, he tells the disciples not to be afraid not to let their hearts be troubled because he is giving them something much greater let peace dwell in your hearts you needn't be afraid you no longer have anything to fear i find a similar theme in paul's familiar passage in his letter to the galatians that we have read to us paul uses the example of a son who is heir to an estate But because he's not yet reached the age of maturity, it means nothing. He may ultimately be entitled to everything his parents, his father, owns. But for now, he actually has no more freedom than a common slave. In fact, he would be under the guardianship of a slave, someone whose duty it was to look after him. However, once he's old enough, he will receive everything. Paul uses this metaphor to describe what our problem was before Jesus came along. We were like the child, except the guardian who had control over us was God's law. And because we have all sinned, because we've all done things wrong, we are judged guilty by that law, and our punishment is death and separation from God. But what God did, however, in sending Jesus to die for our sins, take our punishment instead, it changed all of that. We became God's children and heirs to his promised reward of eternal life rather than death. That life, that existence before you know Jesus isn't one that is lived to the full because it's one that is lived under the burden of sin without hope. And when you have no hope in an ultimate future, you can only try and look for meaning and validation in your life elsewhere. Now, social media, as we all know, is dominating so much of our life. We see people in the latest tourist hotspots constantly trying to get the perfect picture to upload and get thousands of likes and shares as if that will somehow give you meaning and validation in your life. But a life lived to the full is not about endless pictures of beaches, sunsets, cocktails, fancy filters, likes, shares, follows, brand endorsements. No, that could be a life lived quite well if you're privileged or lucky enough to be able to do so and not end up in a mountain of debt. But it's not a life that is lived to the full. It's very quickly a life lived increasingly under pressure to try and maintain that manufactured image. And it's a life, and is it a life, that actually made a difference to the lives of others? Is it a life that was lived as a disciple of Jesus, doing the same works that he did, bringing God's love to the world? The problem with our lives... Is that it really is all too easy to ignore the fullness of life that God gives us and instead succumb to the pressures of our own insecurities and fears. Because there is so much in our life that if we just stop to try and focus on it instead of God, we can start to worry about. I'm just going to give you an example of how this might be the case. I'm going to ask my happy volunteer i say that loosely uh i have pre-warned so katie kurt please would you come and join us on the uh, lectern really giving the uh, camera desk a workout today um so katie i'm gonna ask you three questions these are quite personal questions um, and i like you on a scale of, to answer on a scale of one to ten. So ten being yes, really, the most, one being no, the least. Uh, so, uh, and if you want to do this yourselves, please do. Katie, on a scale of one to ten, how attractive do you think you are? <laughs> um, five. A five, okay. Um, Katie, on a scale of 1 to 10, how popular do you think you are? Four. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you want to go on this. Uh, Katie, on a scale of 1 to 10, how clever and skilled and intelligent do you think you are? It's a bit better. Six. Uh, Six, OK. Would anyone else like to get up here and answer those same questions? No. (laughs) (laughs) I have pre-worn Katie. I was going to be asking those. But imagine all of us are probably think, would think the same thing. You start going, am I good looking? I don't know. Those people seem more But I mean, I'm just going to go, I'm about average, I'm about five, that, that's fine. And all of us will probably start to go, yeah, I, I just don't feel I'm particularly great. I don't feel really bad, but I don't think I'm that special or anything. I'm going to ask Katie the same sort of three types of questions, but in a different way. Um, Katie. Has anyone said to you, you're beautiful? Yes. I imagine you've looked into their eyes when they say it, and you know that they're telling the truth, don't you? Probably. Probably. (laughs) Um, Stephen, when you watch this, tell Katie she's beautiful. But yeah, Katie, you're beautiful. People have said that. That means you're good-looking and beautiful um katie do um have you ever been like, invited around for dinner and lunch at people's houses and we're talking pre-covid obviously um but yeah do you get invited around for lunch as a family or yourself yes yeah, sometimes yeah. <laughs> uh, when you've invited people do they come over to your house yes they do and do people friends colleagues anybody sort of ring you up or organize drinks and say yeah katie for drinks do you want to come along yeah, although I may organise them. Yeah, pretty. So you, you're quite the social world, like Butterfly, aren't you? You've kind of got lots of people asking you out. You're a very popular person. Um, Katie, can not you, what do you do for a living? I'm a teacher. You're a teacher? Wow, that's crazy. I, I, any other teachers here? Yeah, it's like four five other people here. Um, that's not many other people in this room who teach us. Um, Katie, how, many, how long have you been a teacher? Oh, I don't know, since I was, yeah, around about 20, so oh, years. Quite a long time, yeah. And you had to presumably, like, go to university, get degrees, study and all those things, be a teacher? Yeah, there's a standing joke, I went to university for quite hey, a long yours, time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and how many children do you think you've taught over the years? I really could not count, but I know that the first set of children I taught will be at least in their mid-30s now. So that's probably hundreds and hundreds of children who've been taught by a skilled, qualified person. That's brilliant. Um, Katie, thank you very much. Round of applause, Katie. Um, (laughs) You see what happened there? It's not a trick, but it's just a way of showing that sometimes we can easily just let insecurities, fears, feelings of worthlessness just creep in when actually... We are all special, wonderful, valued. The Bethel music song that we just heard, No Longer Slaves, takes this passage from Galatians and applies it to all the burdens and fears of our lives. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. We can knock ourselves so easily sometimes, can't we? We can get so trapped by fears and insecurities that we can start to forget that there is something so great, so wonderful, promised to each and every one of us. But also that we have already been given God's Holy Spirit so that we know we are special. We know we are children of God and as important to him and precious to him as his own son, Jesus Christ. It's the most amazing reward given to those who follow Jesus. And this reward that God gives us I think is also a freedom, freedom from fear, from worry, from slavery of sin, freedom to live life to the full and instead focus on the ultimate reward of God's kingdom, of forgiveness of sins and reconciliation between God and humanity. And this is all because God sent his son to die for each and every one of us and that he rose again To bring new life to each and every one of us. There's another cheesy slogan that I must say comes to mind when I think about that. It says, Because the tomb was empty, your life can be full. But it's one that's true. When you know Jesus, you know God. When you know Jesus, you know what it means to walk in his footsteps, to follow just as his first disciples did, obeying his commands and putting them into practice. To know Jesus is to know God, and to already know and receive his reward as his heir, his child. A life that is lived in a relationship with God, our loving Father, is one that is lived to the full, one that you could call mega. And it's one that we can only achieve one way, by following Jesus. Our final song this morning is a song called The Way. Um, And it's simply just a song about Jesus being the only way in our lives. And it's a song that is deliberately upbeat and celebratory. And so it should be. Because being a disciple of Jesus means that we are already sharing in the reward promised to us. And that is something to celebrate every day of our lives I was nowhere, you came to my rescue from the grave I've been raised when I needed a saviour to save me, Jesus you made a way you are the way lost and dead but your love came to find me, Jesus you are the way you're the light shining bright in the darkness, Jesus you are the way Jesus, the only way